This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tigers Radio Pod as we are back from our Thanksgiving break, taking a couple weeks off to recharge. Chris is 100% healthy again. <laughs> Youper alongside us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Media, Stitcher, and Google Play. And of course, you can find us at MotorCityBangles.com. Please subscribe to the Tiger Magazine Report YouTube channel. And thanks for everybody. We've picked up a couple of subscriptions recently. And if you want to support the podcast, go to our Patreon at Tigers Radio Pod. Also, I wanted to plug the Discord channel. So there's a lot of people out there probably asking, what is Discord? Well, it's a cool little, it's a free app. And we have a Tiger chat in there that's going all the time. I got to give props out to Steve, Jake, Matt. There's a couple Epic. other people in there. You know, Epic, David Faze. All those people keep the chat going. So if you want to join in there, it's really, I don't want any trolls or anything. So if you're a troll, might as well get out. <laughs> and I'll put that link in the description. So we thank you for all the support. But before we start the show proper, we here at the, uh, the podcast wanted to send our condolences to, for what happened at Oxford High School here in Michigan. It was, there, there were three pronounced dead. And normally we don't really get heavy with the show stuff, but this is close to home. And so just want to send our condolences and, and hopefully yeah, it's just a tragic situation. Yeah, you know, any, anytime there are teenagers being killed, school shooting seems extra tragic, but anytime, car accident, anything like that, it's just you mourn the, the loss of life before they really even had a chance to do much of anything. And, and I don't know, man, yeah, it, it we get so desensitized to this sort of thing. It happens so frequently. It did seem like it went away. Well, it was one of the minor blessings of COVID was people weren't around each other anymore. You get kids with... The, their hormones and they're not fully formed brains and their inability to make rational decisions. And, and unfortunately this is the, the sad side effect. And yeah, I can't imagine anything. We're all parents, nothing, nothing worse than, than getting that news. So yeah, yeah let's, let's go out to anybody who may have been affected in that community or anywhere really. Yeah. And really it just affects everyone mentally because it just shows again, it can pop up anywhere, any state in the union. And Michigan got hit today. That's just yeah. horrible. I, I know. And I, I will say, yeah, I, we're getting off on a super heavy note, but I will say that the first time this it really hit me was when my son Harrison, his first year in preschool, mm. they they started practicing. They told the kids it's in a quiet drill or whatever. They hide in the room and, and try to be as quiet as possible. The kids are far too young to have any idea what might be happening. Yeah. But that really hit home to me. I'm like, man, this is, yeah, this world is not great at times. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, so there's yeah, and that is this awkward transition, but there is a lot of baseball going on as last night. And here's the thing. I go to bed 10, 3, 11 because I get up at six o'clock every day. So I have to stick to a stingent batting or excuse me, sleeping schedule, or else I'm just mess the whole day. So at the same time, I have my phone on my nightstand and do not disturb. But last night I forgot to set it. And my, I have a watch that goes charged, and all of a sudden it was vibrating so much around three in the morning. I was like, I just in my middle of sleep, ugh, just knocked it down and knocked off my phone. And then the alarm goes off at 6 30 ish, 6 15. And I look, and there's 89 notifications of all the alerts that went off with the signing of at that time. John Morosi of MLB Network said a potential signing, the signing was not finalized until probably what nine o'clock this morning, Chris. 
Yeah, just shortly before nine, I think is when Evan Petzold, I think was the first one to to say it was a done deal. Yeah, so it's a six-year deal worth $140 million, and there's a two-year opt-out clause where Baez can opt out. Is that correct, Chris? Yeah, two-year, just like the Rodriguez deal, there's an opt-out after two years, and, and it's interesting. We'll get into all that a little bit later, but yeah, the Tigers have given themselves a chance to compete for two years, maybe, and then reset. I know it's, it's, it's tough. You want them players to succeed, but if they both do that, then they're going to be they're going to be gone. You have to replace them, but... I don't know. Maybe the Tigers' developmental machine be in full gear at that point, and we won't have to worry about it. But mm-hmm. no, you, you know, it, it was—it's been such a raucous, I don't know, seventy-two hours now. And yesterday was one of the strangest days I can ever remember because there was like, in my head, it was, it was like a parking lot full of car alarms going off <laughs> from eight in the morning till eight at night, and then the college football, like the Brian Kelly news, broke. And baseball news just stopped. There was nothing. It was like there was something every 15 minutes all day. And then at 8 o'clock, it all stopped. And then, yeah, 3 in the morning was when the Baez news hit. It was it was, it was just bizarre. And I didn't – I don't have any notifications on my phone. I don't want to be notified of anything. But <laughs> I randomly woke up at 5 this morning, which is normally my son wakes me up at 7, 7.30 or 6.30. I mean, or six, but five on my own for no reason. And I checked my phone and I saw the information. There was somebody in the, in our uh, Discord, in, in our Slack chat, actually. I don't know if it was Gavin or Austin had mentioned that they got Baez. I was like, oh, wow. So I was looking. And yeah, so I was compelled to come down here and compose a series of tweets about Baez because there's been some, you know, kind of, and we noticed this heading into this. There have been some interesting narratives going along here. So I don't know if we want to get deeper into Baez or. Yeah, let's go into deeper in the bias because mm-hmm. there's a thing. It's just because I want to get Yoop's take on this too. But let's start with the whole social media, Tigers, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want to call it. There was a giant collective groan among I. In I will give credit to Kurt, who's our boss over at Motor City Bengals, or the fan site MLB editor, who does a fantastic job. It's a microcosm of the audience you got to remember that you can't you have to go okay what is outside of twitter what is the normal what do other people think but it's just when you're on there sometimes for us for notifications what have you we have to keep on stop and oh even walter welcome welcome to the show and el mag el, el magio the magician anyway but <laughs> there's just it's just one of those things where i just wanted to yell at people like just calm down it is if I'm not sure if people are being serious about stop being a fan, I know there's one fan who was just disgusted with the whole situation, but in terms of defensive value, his power, the strikeout numbers. Yeah, I don't like the strikeout numbers. No one likes the strikeout numbers. Even Kevin Goldstein, a fan grabs kind of was, was like, oh, and kind of thing. And but there's a lot to, and so you're going to look at the market as Korea is going to get more than Francisco Lenore. That is just that simple. If he's going to get. 400 million or so, or this, yeah, 400, yeah, or 40 million or 400 million. Yeah, I did say it right. 400 million, then that's definitely out of the Tigers price range. And of course, you can't tie what a guy is worth to the team day to day operations. Am I correct about that, Chris? There's a lot of different things there. So we could say now, I don't know if we mentioned it before, I do believe the Tigers tried with Carlos Correa. And, and I think off the top, it's been a strange situation altogether because I think if you polled 
most Tigers fans, and we did over at MCP. We did it twice in one year. Seven, eight months ago, their preferred shortstop was Trevor Story, followed by Corey Seager, followed by Carlos Correa. And then after the season, it moved to Carlos Correa, number one with a bullet, followed by like Seager, Story, and Baez. And then you put I did this duplicate uh, survey just to make get the the pulse of the fan base. And so I think most people would say that Carlos Cur or, or Javier Baez was probably their fifth choice. And so it, to a certain extent, you understand why there might be some disappointment. You know, everybody I've talked about it before, but there are these weird kind of collective ideas that come over fan bases at times. <laughs> And it's like a meme where it just spreads throughout the family. The first time I ever noticed it, and I, I'm sure I mentioned this before uh, too, was way back in the NFL draft when uh, the uh, the Lions were they were announcing their new jerseys with black piping or something stupid like that. One of the dumb <laughs> Malibu Stacy has a new hat things that they do, and uh, and it was right before the draft. And the Lions fans in attendance had talked themselves into taking Aaron Curry, the linebacker, out of Wake Forest instead of Matthew Stafford. So they're there at this event chanting for Aaron Curry. And, of course, Aaron Curry was out of the NFL in three seasons. He was a massive bust. And Matthew Stafford, you could, we could argue about him forever, but yeah, that was the right choice. It, and it's just this weird idea. So this laser focus on Carlos Correa is like the only option. I don't know when it started. Yeah. How it started, and probably as soon as Hinch became, hey, this is real, he's doing well. So there's a certain level of disappointment, but that's the, kind of what we're trying to to balance here. Is the Tigers basically did what we all wanted them to do? If you look, I think they've spent the third most money out of anybody in the offseason so far. That is correct. Yep. Both on a total money given out and average annual value basis. Then that'll probably change. They also probably pull ahead of them at some point. Still, this is we wanted them to spend money on free agents, and they've done it. Yep. And and Javier Baez is a good player at times, a very good player, and a huge upgrade over what they had. But I guess I understand both sides of this. Where you should be happy they spent this money, but I get it if someone is disappointed that they didn't get exactly what they wanted. Carlos Correa, we all knew uh, for a long time now was going to come in with a, a massive deal, and he still will. And I think part of what plays into that is the Tigers' low payroll. We've talked about that a lot. And the Illich family fortune, we've talked about that a lot. And the need at shortstop, we've certainly talked about that a lot. So all those factors came together, I think, to really drill into a lot of uh, commenters' minds that Carlos Correa needs to be the guy they secure. And I think if you just look at this podcast, we look at what we've written at MCB, I would bet we probably wrote or talked about Javier Baez, what do you think, maybe 10% of what uh, Carlos Correa was spoken about? <laughs> no, I would, Chris did an article of, as a trade idea. I did a kind of review, and I was looking it up before. MCB's done quite a bit on, on Baez, even when mm -hmm. during the, the possibility Michael Fulmer could go for when he was a Cub, when Fulmer was before the oh. injury. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I think fans have to. I don't know. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, you, 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 you disappeared problems. on us. It sounded like you got caught in Tron or something. Yeah. There you are. There you go. <laughs> what did I leave off? I'm sorry. I just it, it started cutting out, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, just, 
give us the whole idea again. Not the, not the whole idea. I think he was talking about one. I know. Uh, I forgot. Well, you, we were talking about how, how, we've written about well, Korea no, much more yeah. than Baez, but yeah. And that's fine. I think the biggest thing to know is the for for the fans, the Tigers did come through. People were getting pretty up in arms over the weekend when Semyon went off the board. Uh, you could see a little bit of an anti-Baez meme going, or a thread going through Twitter after the Tigers were rumored to have spoken to him. I believe it was last Friday mm-hmm. uh, that that came out. For whatever reason, that momentum against Baez built over the weekend, but then it snapped overnight, right? As soon as then he was in the fold, now you saw a lot of the takes, the positive takes on him. And I think that in the end, they're going to have him for two years if he plays well, and hopefully he does play well. And they'll have a chance to renegotiate before he opts out. That's always a possibility. Or he opts out and takes off. But then they'll have that payroll uh, space to go out and secure something else they need at that time. But I like the move. He's not a perfect player. Nobody's a perfect player. Very few people are. He's going to help this club with what he does. Yeah, and and one of the things that I do read about is he's a good clubhouse guy. A lot of his teammates like him and what have you. And then there's, of course, there's kind of that weird incident in the past, which, again, I don't know nothing about to just speak on in terms of what some domestic issue or something like that. But I, I don't know enough about it to speak on it, so I don't want to go there. But it's one of those things where I don't – it was almost like the sky was falling, chick a little. Like that old – it's just because just everybody was almost announcing they won't be a fan anymore. But here's the thing. For the last – what five years the Tigers have been absolute crap. I'm not let's honestly, there's no other word to say it. The Tigers have been a brutal watch, and for the first time since the I, I'd probably say since the Justin Upton signing, we there's something to talk about. This is the first offseason that Chris, you and I, Chris, have done where we're like, we were going, Wow, there's actual hot stuff. There's no we don't have to talk about the recycled arms, we don't have to talk about. We actually talk about legit frontline players and players that can contribute right away. So I'll take that any day of the week as a right now as a podcaster and contributor or whatever, but as a fan, it is painful to watch you, you go to yourself. Okay. You have to rationalize in your head, despite all the injuries to him, that Julio Tehran is going to be a good idea. Even though in the back <laughs> of your mind, you're going, eh, the injuries and, and all that aside. And then this idea that we have, you have the God bless Lynn Henning about Ryan Kreidler, and, and then there's fans that support that. But Chris and I have been to enough minor league games this year to know that, again, and even with the news with Rob Manfield, which we'll get to in a little bit, you already know the AAA balls are different than major league balls. So there, who knows what's going to happen here? But based off projections on Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, which we'll also talk about today, there's a lot to, but it's, we're honestly, I'd rather not go through another damn offseason where I have to, you, Chris and I have to scour for topics. I really don't want to because, quite frankly, no one cares. <laughs> if we did the movie podcasting idea, that's great. And we had a lot of fun with it. But I didn't get a lot of listener feedback, which means either they, they were fine with it or no one cared. So, again, I, I just, this is something. And if for Tiger fans, maybe perhaps younger, it doesn't matter the age, but stop hating on each other for whatever <laughs> takes you have. It is stupid. It's obnoxious. 
and there's no reason for it. If you have your opinion, great. You know what? Don't yell at somebody else for not having one, or their opinion is different from yours. It's BS. <laughs> I I enjoyed over the weekend when the, the some of that anti bias stuff was going on. All the people who previously, not all, but a, several people who were noticeably in the camp that actually AJ Hinch is in charge now. As soon as the wind started blowing toward Baez, it was like fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, Hinch was in charge where they liked what was going on. And the winds are blowing the other way. All of a sudden, Avila's the man. Got to go. That, that was pretty good. Yeah, I think a lot of this, just it comes down to the way things are compared to the way that we would like them to be, the way they should be. And every Tigers fan looks at the money that the Illiches have, and they say, well, they should be spending money like Steve Cohen. Just who cares? They've got the money. They can do it. And that would be great. That would be awesome. But they don't want to do that. They're not going to do that. We can wish it all we want, but it's not happening. So at a certain point, and it is weird and gross when, as fans or analysts, we say well, they're getting Baez for half the money that Correa's going to get, so that's a great deal. Yeah, in a perfect world, they would just get the best player and pay him whatever. But that's not the way it's going to work. So you have to judge it by what they're willing to do. And, and we heard, we've heard that, as I was beginning before I went off on a tangent in the last uh, segment, uh, that the Tigers did seem to try on Carlos Correa. We saw everybody saw the AJ Hinch thing where they had brunch together, but we also heard that Hinch met with Correa's agent at the meetings the week before that. They were really trying on this. How they tried, I don't know. Did they offer him 10 years and 300 million and that wasn't enough for him? Was it 10 and 350 and that wasn't enough for him? Were they only going eight and 25? Like, we don't know. We probably will never know. Maybe once he signs somewhere else, somebody will say, oh, the Tigers offered him nine years and 270 million or something like that. But I do think that they tried. I do think that he was probably their top choice. But they weren't going to get caught without landing one of these guys. And I've said, and this is another thing we can argue about. We've talked before. We don't necessarily have to get shortstop. You've got to get better in a number of places. But it's it's just telling. When you go, if you go to like Fangraphs and look at the leaderboard for shortstops, like shortstops don't come on the market very often. That was what's so wild about this year. Like the the top. Shortstop leaders, it's Trey Turner. He's a free agent after next year. It's hard to believe that the, the Dodgers are going to let him go after Seager got away. You got Fernando Tatis, who signed for 35 years. You got Xander Bogarts, who signed for a long term deal. Brandon Crawford just signed for a year. Players don't come along very often. You have to get one. If you don't have a shortstop, you got to do what you have to get one. Or you're going to go into the year looking at Willie Castro and Zach Short and Ryan Kreidler. And, and that was not acceptable for where the Tigers are in this process now. So they had to go get one of these guys. Baez is in everybody's flavor. But I do think that I do think that he's going to be a really fun player to watch. He's one of the more exciting players in Major League Baseball. And if fans haven't seen him play much, I think they're going to be pretty uh, happy with him, at least for periods of time. Yeah, if there's one thing I want to add before we, we move on is also this now all of a sudden I saw this a couple comments on Twitter about we have to get a new broadcasting team for this new team we're building because I don't I can't stand Matt Shepard. That there's much more important things in life than a broadcaster. I'm sorry, maybe I sound like an old man yelling at cloud, but come on, if you don't watch the game, mute it and put Dan Dickerson on. It's not that big of a deal. Some of this complaint, some of this complaining, I really I had to walk away from the bird app 
and was oh, just, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was getting infuriated. And I was talking to Danielle, who's on our staff over MCB, and she would send me a thread or something. And I was like, no, I don't want to get mad. I'm in a good place. Michigan won. I went to the Michigan game on Saturday. It was the best experience I've ever had at a sporting event. It was, I was, I text Chris, like, are you in a bubble? And he was like, yeah, I want to go see Ghostbusters. <laughs> and then he saw what was going on. He was like, I should kill it. It was shock. I was total shock. And Walter brings up a good point. You could bring up, you could top, you could draft a shortstop with the 11th pick. But anyway, yeah. Brooks Lee, great- Carter Young, there are a couple of decent shortstops in the draft this year. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. So either way, I know there's, we also have fans out of state that listen to us. So I'm not sure what your allegiance is or what, what have you. But I don't really, as far as Michigan's concerned, Michigan football, Michigan basketball, I'm a, you have Dearborn alum, so whatever the case may be, I still have pride in the school. I just don't go and go about it. But this time I, I will because if there's nothing sweeter than being Ohio State. Sorry, Kian. <laughs> I know you're listening, but yeah. no. You, you know no. what's interesting is is I, I will say, yes, yeah, I've been a Michigan fan my entire life. I try not to be too loud about it because the last 15 years have been dreadful, basically. Also, maybe 20 years. So that's the thing. Like, I, I, I'm not a Michigan State fan. I do very much enjoy when Michigan beats Michigan State, and I absolutely hate it when they lose to Michigan State. But I'm so much happier when Michigan beats Ohio State than I am sad with Michigan State, if that makes any sense. Like, I was rooting for Michigan State all day against Penn State. I'm like, go for it. Good, good on you, Sparty. Go get your 10th win, and, and that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, like, whatever happened to me, like, something happened to me 10, 15 years ago where I just can't those games live anymore because they can't deal with the, the disappointment in real time. I just record them. If they lose, I don't watch it. If they win, I go back and cherish every moment. And it's not a great way to be a sports fan, but <laughs> uh, it helps me get through the day without getting angry and, and throwing stuff. So that's my own issue. So yes, I wouldn't saw Ghostbusters instead, which is fine. Yeah. Where Vango is absolutely right. And Joey, if you're still in the chat here on YouTube, so Joey says, it's going to be fun. We also sign Korea. Uh-huh. If Carlos Correa signs as a Tiger, I'll make you. I'll make you a public, make a public bet here. If Carlos Correa signs with the Detroit Tigers, and luckily I didn't have to do this before, but I will. Okay, it's what forty-one okay. degrees, thirty-six degrees. Yeah. I will. Uh, is that possible, Chris? To what's that now? I don't know. Okay. You, you froze on the screen. Oh, so I did. Okay, so I'm gonna make me. a bet. I'm gonna make a bet. If Joe, if Joey says. It's also going to be funny if we sign Carlos Correa. So, Chris, mm-hmm. if you could possibly, if there's any polar things or whatever, I will dive into a whole lake of water. <laughs> of yeah, course, no, being funny. one of those polar dips or whatever for charity. Lake Michigan. I'll do it. On New Year's Day. There you go. Lake Michigan on New Year's Day. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that because I have to do it supervised because I'm not, I don't trust the general public to help me out with that. But I would love to do something like that. So, Joey, I hope you're right. But I again, it's not the cynical nature. But if he, I just see him getting a big deal somewhere, even possibly going back to Houston, I don't, I don't think he'll go back to Houston. But anyway, so let's move on to again what Texas did to upgrade their infield. What the Rangers did was, I don't know, guys. That was one of those things where I was just ten years. Who when healthy is good, but when he's not, it's a liability. But then again, you have Isaiah. Yeah, who then, of course, five minutes after he signs, you see somebody post, oh, the Yankees are interested in him. And to in Forever Tricks, who's in on YouTube, yeah, we're going to address that here shortly as well. 
Do the Tigers make any more moves? We did have a question about that. I, I think they will because based off the payroll. I'll start with you, Uper. Tax- Texas. Was that the last team you were expecting just to go and make yeah. it rain? Well, and they, when I look back to what was going on last winter, when I really argued many times, probably to be, get, make people sick, <laughs> that the Tigers should be outspending last winter and they didn't. They waited till this year. And I was told many times that it's quote unquote too early. And that never made sense to me that it's too early. And I think a lot of people were stunned that Texas has dove into the deep end of the pool and they, they don't think it's too early. They went out and got premium talent and are going to try to improve now in a market they obviously thought they could make some headway in. So they made two big, actually three commitments, but two really large ones. Ten years for Corey Seager would, as you spelled out what, what the concerns are, but he's a great player. There's no question about that. Maybe he has a, a more healthy track record in the second half of his career. I don't know how often that happens, but that's asking a lot. I like Semyon quite a bit. You guys know that. I was hoping the Tigers would make that their primary target for shortstop. He's a good player. We got the power, base running speed. I think he's a solid glove man, despite the error we saw him against Detroit on the 27th out that day. But he's a great player. And I think that seven years was what surprised me with him. When I wrote something on him earlier this winter, I thought the team that would gamble on a fifth year would be the one to stand out and get him. Obviously, I was way short on that. It was a team gambled on a seventh year. But if he holds his power, if he's not a shortstop forever, but he's still hitting 35 home runs, he'll go play first base or outfield or something that down seven years from now. You know what it reminds me of that one offseason? Now, hopefully this is... A- you know, not the case, but the one off season when the Marlins went absolutely nuts, where they signed Jose <laughs> Jose Reyes and Mark Burley, and did they they signed they trade for Troy Troy Tulowitzki, or was that the next year? I don't I don't remember. But they spent a ton of money for one year and then moved everybody again. Like, I'm not saying that the the Rangers are going to do that, but it has that same sort of we got a new stadium, we're a bad team, but we need to make people invested in this. So let's let's go all in. But yeah, it could also be like when the Nationals signed Jason Worth or the Padres signed Eric Hosmer. Like sometimes you want to kick off your rebuild, as it were, with the big signing to let everybody know you're serious. And it lets free agents know that you're going to be willing to spend. And and so it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see what they did and see how it works out for them over the next few years. I I think one of the things, any of these contracts for these shortstops, are probably going to be really ugly at the end. That was that's the one kind of good thing about the Baez shorter deal. Six years, you know, heading a month ago, I would have probably told you he was going to get a four-year deal. But like you were saying, you you know, when Simeon gets seven and Seager gets ten, that's just the way the the winds are blowing. You're going to have to give guys extra years. Bowden had had responded with, "Hey, they're getting seven years," and unfortunately, it was just six with the opt-out. Yeah, all these deals are going to look bad at the end. I, that's if you can think of a, a long-term like deal more than six years that didn't look bad at the end. I'm having a hard time. Maybe A. Rod's first contract, first ten-year yeah. contract. He ended up having a really good year with the uh, the Yankees at like the very end of that. Of course, uh, oh, you talking about the, what about the Rangers? You talking about the Rangers? Well, yeah, or? he signed the deal with the Rangers, yeah. and then they traded him after three years, and then oh, the final right, year yeah. of the deal, I think he hit like 50 home runs or whatever. It was like, oh, he's a monster, and then. 
but that may have been artificially aided. I don't know. But like I said, like it, I, I, Bryce Harper's monster deal will probably be ugly at the end. Uh, even Mookie Betts' deal will probably be bad at the end. All these deals are going to be ugly at the end. So it's just how much do you care about the next three, four, five, six years? Yeah. So that's where the value is coming. So, well, somebody who didn't clearly did that was Jeff, former Marlins owner Jeffrey Loria, who was responsible for all those signings. And what was it? Jose Reyes. He told Jose Reyes, yeah, you can buy a house or you're going to be here a while. And then <laughs> a year later, he was traded. And Max, by the way, yeah, Max Scherzer got three years and $140 million with an opt-out after two. He's getting paid for it. He's actually his. He's getting paid more than the A's payroll right now. Something like to that effect, or something between that and it's, it's ridiculous. It's just well, yeah, and, he's got the fifteen coming from the Nationals and the forty three yeah. coming from the Mets. Well, and, and that's and one of those the strange things about free agents, like every free agent deal. I don't care any any deal that's more than two years has a chance of blowing up in your face. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you, if you went back and looked at reactions to the Max Scherzer signing in, the, in Washington. There are probably a lot of people saying this is ridiculous and insane. There's no way he can live up to that. And Max Scherzer went out and it's probably one of the best free agent signings of all time. And I bet you can go back and find, go back to when Jonas Cespedes re-signed with the Mets. I bet you Mets fans were absolutely thrilled because he was so good when he came over in the trade. And then he played like six more games for them. He got attacked by a wild boar. It was a disaster. So it's like any of these deals can blow up in your he became, face. He became a rancher of some sort. Yeah. We haven't really gotten into all the specifics about Javier Baez, and he's definitely a very risky player. But there's risk in all these guys. Correa has been injured a lot. Seager has been injured, and he's probably not a shortstop for much longer. Story has the Colorado thing, and his arm arm strength. Simeon is a little bit older and wasn't a shortstop last year. So it's it's, there's pretty risk with all these guys. These none of them are Mookie bets, basically. Like Correa has probably got the best chance to be a Hall of Famer, but you don't know. We don't know with any of these guys. So the Tigers were able to address three needs relatively with Barnhart and Rodriguez pretty quickly. They had to play the waiting game for shortstop, which is why I understood a lot of, I think I understood, I think we all understand that it was going to take some time because of the market. As far as what moves, to answer the question, what moves remain. So the Tigers are probably going to pick up another left-handed reliever because they do need one to compliment Soto. I wrote a piece today on Ariel Miranda. Miranda, yeah. Yeah, who was the KBO, the Korean Baseball Organization's MVP. He is turning 33 in January, but he is a comp. He's different because the split finger is with the horizontal drops down, and he's got a good fastball. And Soto, who's a slider, which is horizontal, has got the two to seven movement, be a good complement to that. But there's other plenty out there that could be trade for a lefty. Who knows? I think that's going to be a <laughs> Walter Brunson's up in the chat. Our infield has a lot of former Cubs prospects, and I didn't Candelario, Baez. Short, hmm. wow, I didn't, yeah, that's a wow, Walter. I even Paredes, pardon me, Paredes, Paredes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but it's just and the Cubs have Alcantara, it's even. Oh, we also have Alex Lang, but um, yeah, also they have Frank Schwindel, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, Schwindel, one of the great uh, rookie sensations. Last year. You mentioned Roger, they've addressed three, they came into the offseason with three huge needs pitching, catcher, and shortstop. They went out, they got uh what I thought was one of the better deals and given what we've seen since then, 
Eduardo Rodriguez signing looks pretty good. Like he's projected to produce the same war as Kevin Gosman next year. And Gosman got 50 million. Uh, yeah, same number of years, right? Five years, but 115 million. Yeah. And Robbie Ray, who I was listening to the MLB Park Dimensions or whatever the, the name of the show is, and they were they called Robbie Ray the Javier Baez of pitching, which makes sense to me. Like that's an incredibly risky player who could be a monster. He won the Cy Young, but he's also yeah. like a year removed from walking everyone. Uh, and he got what 115, 110 million, something like that. So that Rodriguez deal looks better. And then the other two guys, gold glove winners. I was just going to say this is it. And Sports Info Solutions and Mark Simon they tweeted out a couple things today. One was that the Tigers over the last several years have been the worst defensive team in baseball by a wide margin, like almost double anybody else. So if they can improve their defense, that's a huge upgrade right there. And Javier uh, Baez has been one of the best defenders of the last several years, although there are some possible indicators that he's uh, regressing or not quite as good as he was. Yeah, there's the, the in terms of uh, projections, by the way, for Steamer, according to Fangraphs, projection for 242, 289, 444 line next year, for which is good for a WRC plus of 95. And Zips has him as a higher margin, so higher for zips they haven't projected at 261 304 468 with 26 home runs and 80 rbis and ops plus of 107 and a war projection of 3.1 which i will take any day of the week i'm sorry if that offends you, I mean, you. and oh by the <laughs> way breaking news by the way john Heyman reported that the nationals actually did something and signed caesar hernandez and oh. there's another thing just the discuss here the not discuss but just want to bring up real quick the mariners are bringing uh, talking to trevor story and have him playing third i don't understand that idea i don't understand that idea well, at all but they have, they have jp crawford i guess that they like i don't know it is strange i mean they yeah i don't know they could certainly use them the mariners are they won 90 games or whatever but where was was Abraham Toro playing some second, or was he playing third when he when they got? I think he played a little bit of both. They also have Ty yeah. France, right? Who was playing? Was he playing second and first? I don't know. There were several times when I tried to figure out a trade with the Mariners. I'm like, yeah, they seem to have addressed a bunch of their needs. I don't know if Toro moved to the outfield. Do I? I think he might have played center at one point, maybe. I, uh, I can't think of it off the top of my No, but but as you were said, so so Bias for Bias to be worth this contract, he essentially has to produce about three WAR a year, which he's totally capable of doing he did it this year at fan graphs he was four and a half i think to baseball reference yep the what was i gonna say the, the yeah i forgot what i was gonna say that's a bummer well the thing with they also have and this is a small sample but you have that second half of the year he had in new york to look at and dream on because his slash line in new york was pretty tasty <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. if you and if that's a new normal for him, and there's no guarantee that it will be, obviously, but if it is, if he made some adjustments there that have some some staying power, all of a sudden the Tigers might have the bargain of the winner. Yeah, and so I remember what I was going to say, and it's a little bit like you're saying, small samples can be misleading in both ways, and I, I imagine the steamer projections on Baez were so low because of the 2020 season, which was absolutely brutal for him. He barely hit 200. He was, it was, I think he was probably dealing with an injury all season. He, cause he was like, his sprint speed was the lowest of his career. 
And that's the thing about these projection systems is they work well in the aggregate, but sometimes with specific players, they can get really thrown off. And we talked about this on the phone the other day, Raj, with, if you look at the steamer projections for the coming year, they have uh, Spencer Torkelson with 2.8 war and Riley Green at 0.9. And that's because if you look at it, they project Torkelson to have 400 more plate appearances than Riley Green. And why would they do that? Because Torkelson's older. They don't, you know, this projection system doesn't look at it and say, hey, Riley Green was actually producing better at AAA and looked better, and even though he's younger. So they're just, you, you take it all with a grain of salt. And so I, I think Zip's projection there is probably closer to reality. And ideally, we'd like a good four or five win season from Baez. He's capable of that thing, but three war would be great. It would make him the best player on the Tigers. You know, I'm, I'm very interested. Just to go back to the, I think when we talked about the defense there, with Barnhart and Baez on defense, but also potentially Riley Green and assuming that he is a very presentable defender right away as a rookie, the defense should be from a disaster to at minimum uh, a league average defense, you would think, because Candelario is still around and Scope will be playing second base uh, where it's his natural position. I'm hopeful that they have a professional defense behind the pitching staff here. And it would be interesting to see what they bring in. If they bring in any more position players, what the defensive rep of that person is as well. And But the good news with Baez is he's capable of hitting 30 homers, which the team desperately needs as well. So that was the best of both worlds. Yeah, and the, one of the things that we forgot to mention because happened during our break was that Cody Clemens and Angel De Jesus was added to the roster. So the roster is sitting at 37. Matthew Boyd was non-tendered today, and so the Matt, Matthew Boyd era is over. Everybody else is coming back. And to me, I look at Cody Clemens. He's a left-handed bat with some power. He was playing the outfield last year. But, again, he also does strike out a little bit, and we've had him on the podcast before, and I really like him, and, and hopefully he can contribute as like a Swiss Army knife kind of type of player to, if we get to the team. But in all honesty, I think they should go after a – a second baseman or some sort of infielder that has maybe defensive first capabilities. Because if you think about it this way, Miggy might get, Miggy wants time at first base, no doubt. And that's fine. But I also think they're going to see scope more at first base this year than we did last year, because it's a long season. And if Cabrera's healthy, you want him as healthy as possible in this lineup with Baez included, because it adds another layer of protection. We saw that Miguel could still hit, his swing mechanics changed last year. We saw more power from that. However, I still think that they should go after another out. Like, Huber, I'm still with you about the outfielder mm-hmm. because, again, you don't, you worry about Bob Dubin. Like somebody said on Twitter, they already have enough outfielders. Yes, yeah. but a, a couple of them are unproven. Riley Green is not a sure thing. Riley Green will be a sure thing. Don't get me wrong. Whether it's this year next year, I'm not really sure. He's one of the best prospects I've ever seen. But – it's going to take time. So I think if you get a veteran bat for a year or two and not a band-aid like Normar Mazzara, who, again, I was wrong about, I thought he would, I thought he would get thought would perform at least, but he bombed and he was, it was just bad news for him. But either way, I think that's, a, those were, I think the Tigers should address, but we'll see what happens. Even I know somebody mentioned Brad Hand as a left-handed possible, or as a bullpen possibility. That's actually a pretty good one considering what his, but his value has dipped a little bit. It seems like it's, he had a rough well, year. Yeah. He was hurt too, wasn't he? Oh, Chris Taylor's a good idea. Joe, let me just say this. Chris Taylor is a fantastic idea. Would love him in a Tigers uniform. He hasn't been rumored to come here yet, but 
Walter again. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, I was just mentioned I thought Brad had been hurt. But yeah, he definitely he's he's relatively young and there's a lefty. It would be interesting bullpen arm, and I think. Yeah, it's, it's we got a bunch of questions, and yes. a lot of them are are along the lines of what we wanted to talk about anyway. So I don't know if you want to go through those right now, or if there's anything else we wanted to hit before. Uh, before we get the questions, I want to hit the the Rob Manfield thing that you tweeted out earlier that was came from fan side, and one of the. <laughs> I don't know, Chris. This is one of those stories where you, you hear there's going to be more layers to it, but I'm in utter shock. I mean, he's under what my, Rob Manfield today was did was absolutely. It was a, there was an explosive again. Business Insider uh, broke the story, so you have to have a paywall. But we did get some little information. Great job by Gabrielle Starr, who we've had on the pod, and what uncovered was is that Doctor. Or she's the physicist, Dr. Meredith Willis analyzed over 100 balls from 15 MLB ballparks and found that Rawlings, who's been part of the whole thing, went back and forth on making two different kinds of baseball. So, in essence, after the 21 after the season began with a decreased offensive numbers and several no hitters, MLB went back to juice balls. And so, the MLB admitted the whole thing was well, production delays and all that, but. You would think that makes sense, but then what she brings up too is the baseballs are marked for a batch of numbers. So Willis noted that several of the balls had batch numbers postseason that postdated the MLB switch to Denton balls. Oh, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> immature, a little immature moment, but either way, it is very. And, and, and she she quoted a scout saying that the big breach of competitive integrity. Yeah, definitely, and a lot of guys have cost their job. You saw the whole sticky baseball situation and just some of the stupid ideas about the playoffs. I don't know what the hell. Does he just go and do you talk to his, like a friend of his or something that doesn't know baseball? Hey, let's put 15 teams in the playoffs. All right. What? That's what, what the owners want. He represents the owners. They want that playoff revenue. No question. To make up for they, um... with the minimum going up. Yeah. It's always, uh, there's always uh, crazy like a fox. The owners, if they have more, they say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give some leeway on free agency and so forth. Uh, if you give us more playoff teams and, and, and the result of more playoff teams, of course, is it's easier to make the playoffs, which means you don't have to spend as much money on players. And so you're back to ground zero. Yeah, it's going to be, I do think they'll eventually figure it all out, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be anytime soon. And, and yeah, my, Rob Manfred, this story, I've only seen little snippets of it. If what is in it legit true and verified like it does seem like something that could lead to him being ousted because if, if they really said give the less lively balls to teams in games that don't matter as much <laughs> like kansas city and detroit like kansas city versus detroit and in, in the livelier ball that's absurd for a hundred different reasons and somebody pointed out like the gambling implications because gambling's everywhere now but think about somebody like nico goodrum who was non-tendered if he's does he get non-tendered if he hits five or six more home runs with a livelier ball maybe not but that's you're talking about there are dozens of players who probably are out of a job now because of the stupid baseball like which should be the most fundamental uniform thing in the sport and uh the commissioner is just hey, i don't care here's some beach balls here's some super balls here's a it, it, it's ridiculous and like i said if all this is can be verified then i think he probably should 
go. It'll probably lead to a class action lawsuit by some of the players like Nico that you mentioned. People who had a bad year this year and were driven out of the league. You could see that happening. Why not? I think over the years, so you go back over the last few decades, there's always been talk about MLB as messing with the baseball. The years where home runs are up, home runs are down, whatever. But you've never heard the fact that it's not uniform across the league. It's one thing to change the ball and not tell anybody during the offseason as long as everybody's using the same ball. But this is just outrageous. It's really the idea that they thought maybe they could keep that a secret in today's world is mind numbing because that's just not going to happen. Maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they get away with it. But (laughs) yeah, we've seen like for each of the last four or five years, it's like Rob Arthur, Ben Lindbergh and Meredith Wills. They they all, hey, the ball screwed up again, like every year. (laughs) Baseball cannot slide this by them. And you know what? One of the one of the things that and Walter brings us to. The idea of picking opponents, do you realize the insanity of that idea part of the postseason? You realize what the it's basically at this point, it's the big markets are just like just slowly and slowly walking away, and the small markets are screwed. It, essentially, it's you, I've said it essentially three times, sorry, redundancy. I, I look at a team like, for example, Cleveland, who doesn't spend any money, the Guardians will not probably spend any money. If they do, it's gonna probably be a small mark amount the pirates are making signings but it's just still or what have you it's going to be the really between the haves and have nots i hate to say it that way it sounds cliche but it's just these teams have too many resources the dodgers the yankees you know it's it's easily going to be not fun for teams i hate to say in the midwest and and what you i I can't even imagine if the bat that baseball was used in certain divisions the al central when the white Sox were getting good but you ruined also pitchers too. What if it? this is a yeah, long-term effect on injuries point. and they have to get surgery and their livelihood is gone because some dick in New York wants to change things to make other people richer. That's all <laughs> to me. That's all it is. You, you can't, and it sounds like conspiracy hat theorists. And we had, I think it was Jake on Twitter mentioned that Tim foil hat. No, it's not Tim foil. There's a lot of evidence here. And you picked a sport where it is for over a hundred years. All types of intelligent people, just like just these smart people have always been involved in baseball, physicists, the science of hitting, right? Ted Williams. There's scientific terms when it comes to baseball. How the hell are you gonna fool that? That's so stupid to me. <laughs> Here's another one uh, that that just occurred to me. We talked about Andrew Haney or Heaney again. I don't know how to pronounce his name. The other day, he the Dodgers, people were like, What why are the Dodgers gave him what eight million dollars after yeah. Yeah, so he has a lot of interesting good things about his pitching profile, except he gave up a ton of home runs, particularly when he went to go play for the Yankees, who maybe were using a more lively ball to have more fun games. It may be the Dodgers knew about it and nobody else did. Like maybe the Dodgers have their physicists on the tape. Like the amount of issues this this raises, it's absurd. Here's what I'm thinking of. Did the teams know what balls, did they have a little of each in their story? And could you potentially oh, yeah. let your pitchers pitch with the dead ball and their pitchers, <laughs> visitors pitch with the live ball? That'd be, I, yeah, like the old Metrodome fans blowing in theory. Like yeah, it, all, mean, it opens up all of this. Yeah, it, it's everything. The, any crazy thing you can imagine until they prove otherwise is possible. Yeah, the possibilities of shenanigans are through the roof and it's, yeah. it's <laughs> ridiculous. We shouldn't. 
<laughs> deal with this sort of thing. Here's an inception kind of uh, premise here. What if, how does it affect the offense numbers for the Rockies? <laughs> like, think about it, like at home. So they're using, so a lively ball versus a, it's like you, you, your brain starts exploding on the possibility of that happening in Colorado. But it's, and Joey brings up a great name. I love to have Theo Epstein for Kamish. And I think he'd be a great idea. But there are a lot of people who think he is uh, next in line. Just biding his time until something happens. And Gabrielle pointed this out too. Yeah, shenanigans. That place where you eat with all the stuff on the wall. Yeah, that's shenanigans. No, <laughs> I don't think. I, Gabrielle brings this up too. Rob Manfield's vote to get in, be commissioner, was very close too, which I did not know until she brought that up in her story. So it is interesting to see what the owners could just go. Well, that's crazy. It's his ideas, and it's again. But there's incidences. It's you have to blame the owners because. 1986 collusion 19 that right there collusion alone i don't yeah. have to say any more than that and the 1994 strike are like well, screw you guys screw the montreal expos we're canceling the season there's incidences well, throughout history with the owners have this is more than, than any other league of the foreign sports the mlb has screwed up and screwed or just screwed it up numerous times i don't blame the players for having suspicions i really don't i at this point i feel bad for tony clark because he's negotiating, and, and, and these guys are just like, no. Nah. Yeah, it's the, the only league without a salary cap, and owners are always going to push for that sort of thing, or anywhere they can have a de facto salary cap. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, and, and I think, I don't think that they technically have to lock out the players. They're just going to. I was reading something right about that today. Okay. Evidently, they can continue operating once the CBA expires, just mm-hmm. with the rules that are in the, the previous CBA. However, if they do that this time, after December 1st, the competitive luxury tax goes away. Mm-hmm. They'd be operating without it. So then, like a team like the Mets could really blow the doors off and not pay any tax this year. And and obviously, owners don't want that. So that's why they, the person reading today said the lockout is going to happen. Just basically, if nothing else, because of that. Yeah, and that that the luxury tax is their their backdoor salary cap. So that's yeah. that's yeah. I don't know. Was there, was there a suggestion about like having a salary cap at fifty million or something like something? There was the salary floor, the salary yeah. ceiling. Yeah, we've heard there've been a lot of random suggestions. So the expanded playoffs thing, I don't like the idea of, of super expanded playoffs. I don't hate the kind of pick your opponent thing though. I think that opens up some silly fun possibilities because like. <laughs> It's baseball. So if you're a National League team this year and you're going to the playoffs, which team are you picking? You're the Dodgers or the Giants. Which team are you picking out of the playoff teams? Braves. Yeah, the Braves, who went on and won the World Series. So, like, it's – and I could see – these are athletes. We saw Adam Wainwright upset about paragraph stats. Like, your athletes don't find any reason to get upset. So if the top team picks you, you're going to take it as a disrespect and you're going to go out there and play. So – I'm sure it could open up some fun that way, but ask, uh, yeah, ask Josh Donaldson. Ask John, Josh Donaldson about fan graphs. No, I, I don't want to ask Josh Donaldson about anything. Yeah, but um, put your head off. There have been a lot of discussions about like playoff reseeding all sports and things like that because I, I do think that the the one thing that maybe teams don't like about the playoff format is when a team goes out and wins 108 or 110 games or whatever and then loses because it's a bad matchup somehow in a three-game series, a one-game series. 
So they want to, I think they want to find a way to expand the playoffs while also rewarding teams for being the best over a super long regular season. That, that was always the, the whole point of baseball was to have this incredibly long regular season to really figure out who the best teams were. Yeah. And then now it gets all screwed up because the second best team in baseball has to play the first best team in baseball. And it, Well, what about this then? What about the two best teams? So you have a six, so six teams get in the playoffs in each league, right? You do like wild card where you have, go ahead. I think in their scenario, there were what, seven teams in each league. And then the top team in both leagues gets the first round off basically. Yeah. I think that's what they said. So yeah, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, you're right. That's something like just like a wild card format, like in like a true, how the NFL does it and just give them a vibe because they won a hundred something odd games and then go from there. This idea of the one game playoff, I, I felt bad for actually I didn't really feel bad for San Francisco fans. I'm sorry. I, I didn't, but it, in a way it's, it's like the whole idea of that coming down to one game is rather absurd, but if they can figure out where it's a best of five and can and just get it under where it's not in November 18th, we're talking postseason here. I think there's a possibility for that to work, but again, just the idea of having, it just, it just seems like it's just, it's a big money grab and, well, owners don't care. There, when you expand the playoffs, there's going to be a year where someone leaks into the playoffs with 82 wins, and they're going to beat a 101 win team in the first round in a very short series, and it's going to seem stupid because obviously the 101 team win team is way better. But that's baseball, and the owners aren't going to care because they're going to pocket a lot of cash. Right. All right, so we got questions, Chris. We got we have a lot uh, of questions. Yeah, lots, lots and lots of questions. The first one I saw. Thank you, everybody. Was, by the way, yeah, was from Yeah Buddy at Michigan. <laughs> any yeah, chance buddy. They, any chance they buy Miggy out after this year? Should they? We spent a lot of time on this. That doesn't seem like the Tiger style to me. I think it's possible, depending on how if they are out there and and exceed all expectations and win 90 games, but Miguel Cabrera is a huge drag on the lineup. It's possible. I think it's more likely that he just has, takes on that, that Albert Pujols role that we saw with the Dodgers this year, basically, where he's almost a, a lefty, only faces left-handers and is only a late-inning pinch hitter kind of role. That seems more likely to me than them, him cutting him. Yeah, I would say the only thing is if he wanted to go, maybe they would have yeah. him. But otherwise, I think he... I've been I've started writing about him in, in 2019 already. Things are slipping, but I think he showed enough this year where he can hit enough singles and a couple of doubles here and there where they're just going to bite the bullet and float along with him as long as he's relatively presentable. Yeah, I think so too. The Tigers seem like a they've always been loyal to their players. And I remember Carl Skeen when he was here talking about how the reason why he was signed here was because the way the Tigers treated him, the front office always treated him. And for Cabrera, I think it's the same thing. If, if he gets his 3,000 hit, which he should quickly, I think he, if he can still contribute like he did last year, but maybe just give him – I think less games for him might work to keep him healthy if that's the case. If, I know the big man wants to play all every day, but it really depends on his health. And I, I, I think we all thought that Miggy was energized a little bit by the team playing better next year or last year. And theoretically, his – the kind of player he is right now, a little bit of a, a single or Donia's hitter, as it were, that might actually work better this year if you've got Green on base and Torkelson on base and Baez around you. Like, 
the Tigers offense might be upgraded enough for where he might even be more effective, at least uh, from a traditional standpoint. He might drive in more runs. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. He, he, he's almost you're almost going back to the baseball card stats that we cared about when we were kids. He hits 275 with 18 homers and 85 RBIs. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I take that in there for that. Yeah, and you know what? And Walter brings up a good point in chat too. He could see them wanting tickets to sales for a farewell tour for 2023, where he, like Mara Rivera would get mm-hmm. maybe a rocking chair or whatever gifts that teams would. The rocking chair thing cracks me up, mm-hmm. but whatever they, they decide to do. And he's deserving of that kind of farewell. This is one of the great hitters of all time. So exactly. that would be cool to see. The next question we had was from our old buddy John Lumpkin. He said, What's the next signing? Do you see any Tigers trades? What was that, Chris? You cut out there. I'm sorry. What's the next signing? Do we see any Tigers trades? Oh, okay. I think there's a trade. I think there's going to be a trade. I think to what extent, to maybe for a starter, but I will say a left-handed reliever or a, <laughs> a potential. Again, Marcus Stroman is still out there. Where are you just going to go? At this point, unsure. Again, he's got some really for the Cardinals to me. Yes, yeah. and 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 Cardinal, and it was rumored to be with the Cardinals too. They somebody mentioned something on Twitter about that, but again, internet detectives, I'm guilty of that with the whole Robbie Ray thing just recently. It doesn't work out, but honestly, I see a trade and I will say a left-handed leader. That's my official guess. If the Reds are truly looking to move one of those starting pitchers, I can see Detroit having enough in their minor league system to tempt the Reds, whether it's for you know, like Tyler Maley, he's pretty good. I watched him pitch once or twice last year. I think that would be a pretty nice young arm. Yeah, people are going to mention Castillo, but I think he's going to be way too expensive. I don't think they're going to go for him. Two years remaining of control, you have to gut half the farm system for him. Castillo. Uh, I don't see that. He's got a cool name. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think one of the things I was uh, thinking about tonight is we talked about Cabrera, his deal's done in two years. Rodriguez and Baez have these opt-outs after two years. There's a possibility the Tigers could have set themselves up to make, I don't think they're gonna, but they could theoretically make like one last really big splash. I don't think Carlos Rodon is probably getting long-term contract offers right now. They could go out and say, hey, Carlos Rodon here, here's $20 million each season for the next two years Mm -hmm. uh, with escalators and various things based on innings pitched. And that would, that could be a huge difference to their team. Rodon's a guy capable of being like a six-war pitcher or throwing four innings, whatever. But they could do something wild like that. They might be able to do that. There could be another hitter out there who would accept a short-term deal like that to rebuild his value, maybe even a one-year deal. Like, yeah, like what Simeon did last year. Yep. I think that's possible. I do think that they, and this is one of the next questions. It's not the next one, This, is, but Bingle BJ said, what moves do you see still coming? So we're talking about this anyway, but... BB Go Blue said, what do you think about Baez's opt-out after two years? And do the Tigers make more moves in free agency due to less money committed at the shortstop position? So that's what I was getting at right there. I, I do think it does feel like the Tigers, in my head, they've got like 10 million more to play with. Maybe I'm off base here, but it feels like that's they probably want to get another starter or maybe a reliever, like you said, with that money. But well, there are other options too. I think their payroll now what I was seeing, they're at around 115. I think so. 115 million. Last year, league average in MLB was about 134, I believe, 135. And then all playoff teams were about 165. Okay. So, so 
to me, there's no reason why Detroit has any excuse to be below league average. So if you use those numbers, they got about 20 million to spend. Also, consider you know, Sonny, you mentioned Sonny Gray is a good idea too. I think Sonny Gray would be a good back end of the rotation. But it, again, one thing to consider is one team that's been quiet in their own division is Minnesota. Minnesota has been mentioned to a couple big names. They haven't signed anybody yet outside of that Brian Buxton deal, which is basically putting him in with no full trade clause. as he's going to be probably twin the rest of his career. And when he is healthy and it was a guy who changed the swing for more power, he's dangerous. He's one of the best bats, just pure speed. Even when the speed's gone, there's going to be power there. And so Buxton that was a good move by Minnesota, but in terms of they still have to address the rotation, they still have to. They've been talking about getting another infielder, and Minnesota's farm system's pretty good too. So they have pieces there. They have a deep farm system. Don't count on Minnesota. I really believe that you can't count the Twins. The Guardians are going to be the Guardians again. I don't know what the Guardians are going to do if they're going to do anything at all, but they still have pitching. They still have a good farm system. Oscar Gonzalez, by the way, is an outfielder. That I hope the Tigers get a flyer on he was in their system good power hidden guy we'll see if what happens there because they, nick Plummer signed with the mets but instantly regretted that decision when sterling Marte signed with the mets but anyway I didn't well mean, i mean i'm just speculating of course the mets are probably going to make some trades i don't know i didn't see if they non-tendered dominic smith or jd davis or anything like that but one of the other options that i know tigers fans probably don't necessarily want to hear but if they go and they could go and sign another starter and then trade one of their three young arms for a player at a different position. We talked before about Cattell Marte. Yeah. You, you want to go get another uh, outfielder? There's a guy you could do. And so they, they do have a lot of options now and they have some payroll flexibility. Real quick, before we go to the next question, do you see, I laughed to you when I, out loud when Nick Castellanos was talking about an eight year deal and the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, shoot your shot. But he's a guy I could see doing one of, another one of those one-year deals. Although I, you, you would think after the year he had that somebody would give him multiple years. Somebody's going to need a, a DH. Yeah. So in my head, it was like the Rockies are a disaster, and they but they seem to want to try. They're supposedly were in on it with Trevor Story, and they're trying to make moves to Chris Bryant. I'm like Nick Castellanos in Coors Field would be fun for a year. But, <laughs> That gigantic outfield stumbling all over the place would be funny, but also him, he'd probably hit 40 home runs there. There's still, that's what's wild about this offseason is, is there's been so much movement, but there's still so much more to come. Carlos Correa is the number one guy in the market, and he might not sign until March. Um, Just tonight, all these guys are going to be non tender. There's going to be a whole yeah. new floating around. Yeah. Uh, knows what's interesting there. Like one name I saw that I liked potentially. He bombed after the trade deadline this year when he went to Atlanta, but the reliever, Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates, yeah, he just got non-tendered by the Braves, so he's going to be out there. Um, it's interesting. I didn't see that. Yeah, he's one of those weird dudes who he doesn't throw very hard, and he throws all, like all fastballs, but somehow the angle and the spin or whatever got him. He got away with it for a while. Yeah, that would be somebody who would interest me in. Probably get him fairly cheap. That, uh, Chris, go ahead and... All yeah, right. I'm looking to see, uh, so see if there's any non-tenders that uh, I'll keep going. Go ahead, Chris. I'll, I'll so we, post we got uh, A.B. Craig said, would you guys rather have Baez now or a 50-50 shot at Correa story after the lockout? 
And it's a tough one. I, I still, I, I believe that Story and Correa are the better players. And I'd like to have the better players. But like we talked about earlier, I, the Tigers really couldn't afford to miss out on all this. And if you're waiting through the lockout, you'd have to, that kind of creeping sense of dread that they might. And I, it's nice to know that they just have that position taken care of for now. Yeah. And and they can, you know, pursue other things. So I, I, I don't know. I'm 50, 50 on that. What about you guys? <laughs> well, I would agree with the most part. I, I'm fine. Actually the burden hand is good. And they got a, a, to me, a very affordable deal that should loosen up. If they have a budget in mind, that should loosen up some cash for them to target elsewhere. And to be honest, they still should have a 50-50 shot at Trevor's story if they want. They have the money available to do it. If they, There's no reason why he couldn't fit somewhere into their infield. Obviously, I don't believe that's going to happen. But when you say they have upwards of $20 million, possibly a payroll flexibility, it's probably actually more than that, if we want to be honest with the current finances in MLB. So they really shouldn't be out of the running for anybody who they think can improve their team, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think so either. And there's a name that was non-tendered that may not mean anything to anybody. But because I'm looking at, for example, the Tigers signed, Emily Walden reported that the Tigers signed a German, like a six foot six five guy for their AAA team. And I'm drawing it. It's, I can't, I'm drawing a blank right now. I, I was looking at something else. But Andrew Vasquez was just non-tendered. He's a lefty. And he put up some really good numbers. He was 37% strikeout rate for when he was at St. Paul before he got traded to the Dodgers. And we see this Dodgers, a lot of Dodgers people in the front office. And I liked Walter's idea of Chad Cole, who could be a back-end rotation swing guy. Some of these names are coming out there right now. Some of them you have to do a deeper dive on. But I don't know the reason why I mentioned that is because the Reds seem to have – not the Reds, but the the, the, Dodger, ah, the Dodgers and Tigers seem to be crossed – Crossing more and more happening together. But yeah, so that that's a name that just consider because again, anybody Dodgers related, we have to consider at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's see. So as it looks like we got the nuts said, how bad will Baez's bat be in four <laughs> to six years? And so that's one of the real concerns with Baez. We he's a guy with the highest strikeout rate in baseball over the last three seasons. It, it's like all the, the traditional, by traditional, like advanced that all of us have learned over the last 20 years about on-base percentage and, and contact and, and all that stuff would, are blinking red lights about Javier Baez. And yet he's been this player for his whole career. He, since, even since the minors, he swings at everything. He always has. And yet he's always made enough hard contact to hit. We talked about like steamer projection for 240. That's because he hit 200 in, 2000, in 2020. But every other season, Apart from his rookie year and in 2000, he hit at least 264 or 265. And aside from last year, it was all above 270. So he's, he's always managed a way to, to hit the ball enough to, to hit for decent average. The strikeouts are concerned. And one of the story things I saw from Mike Petriello at MLB was that he's shown some difficulty catching up to premium velocity, which is a concern too, especially for a guy who's known for his bat speed. So some the look at i mean if he loses those physical gifts he has he's not going to be a unicorn anymore and he could turn into nico goodrum basically but it's a gamble you're taking and of course the thing is if he has two good years he's not going to be here in four to six years yeah yeah absolutely so (laughs) yeah he's opting out (laughs) so yeah 
Um, Interesting to bring up about him. No one's mentioned too much that I've seen, and I'm sure everybody knows it. The the, the one nice thing with Baez as well is he doesn't come with a draft pick penalty attached to him. Yeah, that's and I think huge. For, for a top-heavy organization like the Tigers, that's actually kind of useful that they don't lose that draft pick. And one of the things too, somebody mentioned too about Scott Kulbaum, the hitting coach for the Tigers, who has did make it. There's a prolong, perhaps as much as we talk about the Federer effect at nauseum sometimes, admittedly. Kulbaum did a really good job with the staff last year he was working with, and so we saw some different results from people. But again, how much is a hitting coach? But but Kulbaum has been part of some teams that are really good in terms of offensive numbers. So. Maybe he sees something and bias a swing can fix. I don't know. I, again, that's way too early to even say that. But I, I think one of the things that we talked about, I think Jonathan Scope worked with Coolbaugh before. Was Coolbaugh with the Orioles when Scope was there? Yes, yes he was. And, and so we mentioned it earlier this year, like from a batted ball perspective, and I wrote this in, in my piece today comparing bias to other Tigers. He's very similar, Jonathan Scope, in terms of how much he swings, how much contact he makes. But Scope, this year, with Kubaugh as the hitting coach, I want to—I think his swing rate, yeah, his swing rate dropped basically 4% from the previous three seasons to the lowest it had been since he was with Baltimore in 2017. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's some sort of Kubaugh, he's got a trick to get guys to not quite swing as much. And, and one of the things I was pointing out with Scope and with Baez, you know, Baez hit 200 last year because it was a 60-game season, and he's very capable of having 60 awful games in a row. But as you was talking about his run in New York, he also had a 60-game stretch in 2021 where he hit 330 with power. And Scope is exactly the same way. We saw it from May to August or whatever. He was the hottest hitter of the Tigers, and then it just went away. He didn't seem to change. He still was swinging at everything. He just stopped hitting it. And so, yeah, if, if and that's the thing. Like, everybody talks about if slightly a bit worse than Baez might be, this might be untenable, but there is the smaller possibility that reigns it in a little bit and suddenly he's much more valuable. That's less likely, I think, than him continuing to strike out a ton, but it's there and maybe Scott Kubala knows how to make it happen. Hitting whisperer. All right. You got any more, Chris? The last one, which we already touched on, was from Jason at Legend JDC or DJC13. He said, what non-tenders of tonight should the Tigers look into? You guys have already mentioned a couple. It was funny is, is I honestly think that the probably the most interesting non-tender on the entire market is Matthew Boyd. <laughs> I think a lot of teams are going to be looking into that, and he, he'll probably get some kind of interesting offers because, uh, and who knows, like it could be, I don't know exactly when he's coming back. Is he coming back in June? Is he coming back in July? But for a bad team like the Orioles, he could be an interesting guy that they add and then try to trade if he comes back early. For a good team, he could be nice depth to add to your rotation at the end of the season. So, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be one of the most interesting names. I don't think he's coming back to the Tigers, though. But I haven't really looked over, if, like, a list of all the guys who've been on Tinder. And I, you mentioned Hernandez or, or Richard Rodriguez, I'm sorry. And, and, Roger, you mentioned Vasquez. Dan Vogelback. Oh, Vogelback. There you go. He's a husky gentleman. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, he has that Matt Stairs built to him. He's uh, essentially Matt Stairs 3.0, or I think of, uh, what was the former Tiger? Looks more uh, like Bob, Matt Ottoman. Matt Ottoman. Who was the former Tiger Royal? Bob, is it the guy with the glasses? Bob uh, Hamlin? Bob, Bob oh, Hamlin? Bob Hamlin. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a, 
that's a flashback for anybody that remembers. Squeeze in a Bob Hamlin reference, but really Bob Horner. Bob Horner. <laughs> There's Frank Howard for the Tigers too, right? Was he a big guy? Uber. Yeah. He oh, was yeah. super tall, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I didn't think he was, was six eight. Yeah. Yeah. He was he a monster for the Nationals too. That, that guy had glasses. I remember there's a picture of him in a Tigers uniform. He just looked like a giant. Just my dad always told stories. Bill Brasky. Third baseman would be shaking in their boots when Frank Howard stepped in. I don't blame him because <laughs> he mean, was so big. I thought he used like a 40 size bat, just this huge piece of lumber that looks like a toothpick. Yeah, <laughs> I would bet that if, if they had exit velocity back in the day, he was probably, I don't think it was quite Stanton in, in judge levels back then, but he was probably, compared to league average, it was probably about the same. He was probably hitting hot balls harder than just about anybody. Sure. Although I, I stop and think about that too, because then it was the same era where Danny McLean had, I remember in, reading the year of the pitcher that he would drink a case of Pepsi before the game. So there's some dietary habits that back then, <laughs> well, like I can see Frank Howard get a bucket of chicken and two cokes and just going, yeah, I'll be fine. Or what? I don't know for sure, but handful of greenies and handful, uh, yeah, there you go, ball four, chain smoking between at bats. Uh, yeah, you know, Doc Ellis throws a no hitter with some PCP. Yeah, who knows what that? Bill the Spaceman Lee. The reason why they call him the Spaceman anyway. Hey, but, so our friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Mark Gorish, did ask me to talk about outfielders. Why I think they yes. should. So real, yeah. Uh, now that my man is off the market, <laughs> Starling Marte, I still think they should add some offense, primarily because the, the offense was so bad last year. If they can find a bat, that would be really helpful. I think even though the Tigers have a lot of guys in their outfield, none of them are beyond replacing if they got the right fella. Obviously, I'd love to see him get Chris Bryant and stick him in left field, but that's probably going to happen. So now we're looking at Chris Taylor, great player, can play him all around, certainly can play the outfield. He's fine. The other one I was looking at a little bit is Conforto. I'm sure yes. he's for a that's little my, bit. That's my choice. Yeah. He's looking for probably a little bit of a longer deal than maybe Detroit will want to do. But, and he's coming off on an icky year, but I think he would a little. No, it, he would be certainly the kind of guy where Javi Baez is striking out a lot and never walking. Conforto could be planted in the lineup and be a counterweight where he's drawn quite a few walks and hitting for a little bit of power. And this is the guy I suggested last year, and I think they should go after him again. It's Eddie Rosario. I mean, he's a free agent, and he hasn't resigned with Atlanta. So that'd be good. But and you know what, Walter? Well, and this ties in the outfield question. I he the question is on YouTube. We I know we I joked about it, but could the Javier signing help bring in another big free agent? It would be pretty great to have a store have story in him up the middle. It does seem like a pipe dream. No, Walter, I think. He, him coming here might bring another offensive weapon here, or uh, for example, maybe perhaps a Strowman. I don't know, but I, I do think that we look at Pudge started that when he came to the Tigers, and then Maglio joined, and then it was just a, it was a chain reaction after that. So I definitely think that's possible. But in terms of the outfield market, to get back to that for a quick second, Andrew McCutcheon, he's gonna probably retire. He's thirty five. Dexter Fowler is getting up there. We talked about Nick Castellanos. Ian Desmond, I forgot he even was around. Kyle Schwarber, probably going to go to a team out that way. Tommy Fans out there. Corey Dickerson, which i that's another bat I like. He's a left-handed bat. Yeah. Doc Peterson is yeah. a left-handed bat. Obel Herrera, but he's got, a, he's got a lot of problems. Jonathan Villar, which I, somebody mentioned earlier too. Kevin Pollar is a free agent again. You, you have the – also, was it Alex Dickerson too? So – I. I don't know. There's a and, oh, you know what another name Chris we've gone this up before Albert Mora Albert Mora 
from the yeah, Mets, the, the former Cub. We need well, more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it depends on some somebody. And I'm I'm looking back, and I apologize because I don't I don't see his name, but I had a discussion with somebody on Twitter today, and he was suggesting Jorge Soler as an outfield option, which is interesting because Soler takes a walk. He's double-digit walk rate, has plenty of power. He crushes lefties, but he's a terrible fielder, and he can't play center. So it's like, how much value is there in a kind of a, a corner outfielder, a below-average defender in the corner outfield who is the short side of platoon? Yeah, if anybody can maximize his value, it's A.J. Hinch. So that might be somebody that, that you look to, but I don't know how much you spend on a guy like that who's going to get what? 250 at bats at most and i speculated that they might bring in some like a veteran or two to spring training i i, I suggested maybe jake marisnik but that's not really gonna move the needle for offense really yeah and, and, and if you look at it right now too there's a couple things they have to really address even in, in the minor league side they had a lot of they lost a lot of minor league free agents so there's a lot of there's a possibility that the tigers might find somebody for example i mentioned oscar gonzalez of the guardians but a pretty good year That'd be a good possibility or a good idea, but they have to address that too. And one of the things that that Kevin Kilmar, Trafer, has bad. Yeah, he's pretty good defensively. Kilmar. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. I like that suggestion. But again, where they, I, I really think, I'm still gonna stick to my guns about this. I still think they should get another infielder just in case. It could be Umar Sanchez. We'll like to mention for. Go ahead, Uber. Well, you know the trade market really hasn't. Shaking loose yet either? I saw the Mar- oh, I saw the Marlins, right? <laughs> right. Well, and today uh, the the Rays traded uh, Joey yeah, Wendt they... to them for. I was surprised for the number twenty one pick in the draft in twenty twenty there, uh, the Cameron Meisner from Missouri. You got to believe the 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 Rays are always open to something, right? So whether you want to trade with them or not, tough call. Well, and and we know we're waiting for the angel, the Athletics to dismantle. Given, yeah, and I think we touched on it before. They've they've got if you're looking at outfielders, they got Ramon Laureano who's starting to get more expensive. He could be an interesting target for the Tigers if they wanted a center fielder with some power and speed, and he's pretty valuable. But you know, maybe you give up one of the three pitchers if you sign somebody else. Like there are ways to improve because the outfield market really right now there hasn't been a ton of move. We talked you know, Avi Garcia signed a, a four year deal. Stunning and Marte signed a deal, but beyond that, any other the Rays might trade Manuel Margot. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. uh, yeah, so it's just it's for whatever reason the outfield market just hasn't materialized yet. I don't know if we'll see Chris Taylor and Chris Bryant sign before the lockout. Porto, you guys mentioned Castellanos, we talked about like it it could be one, like I said earlier, this this outfield could end up being where you get a, a solid discount bat for one year guy trying to rebuild his, his value so they they may be wise to just wait on that yeah also there's somebody that john morosi brought up earlier and i forgot forgot about him was nick martinez who put up a really good year over in japan and this year in japan he put up an impressive 1.60 era in this is well between he spent the last two seasons there the first season went rough but sparkling era 1.60 or your 140 innings, 138 strikeouts. That's a possibility in terms of even like for maybe as a reliever. But again, I don't know if you would be a reliever here. Whatever the Tigers want to do on that. But 
Anyway, that's a name that John Morosi mentioned earlier that I want to throw in there, the pot. But yeah, right now, as it stands, the late C, what the CBA expires tomorrow at midnight, or is it uh, I believe to, yeah, tomorrow, Wednesday at midnight. Yep. So we should see a flurry of activity. So if the Tigers do sign anybody else, we'll probably do a quick emergency or was. I told I can't. I don't like the cliche emergency pod, but then Eric Costellini said something like, "This is an update podcast." And you're right. Okay, so we'll do another podcast and not that. But I do want to mention that tomorrow we're gonna to have a minor league player. I'm not gonna say who because it's always you always jinx it. But Chris, Jake, and I will be talking to a Tiger minor league player. I'm not gonna say who, but it's a name that you should know and or should will know. So I'm sending that confirmation details and all that. We'll be posting tomorrow. And that I think will not be stream live. So out of, but again, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'll have to talk to the, the powers that be with that. So thank you so much for all the comments and questions. The comments and questions were fantastic. It's absolutely, it's good to be back. It's good to talk hot stove. It's good to have the tigers in a competitive balance. And however you feel about the shortstop signing again, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. Just take a deep breath and realize the tigers are in a much better position now than they were at the end of the season and yeah again thank you for everybody for contributing and what have you and you find all our work over at motorcitybangles.com also i've been we've been slacking on the videos and tiger Money report admittedly but we're gonna get back into december if there's no baseball in december we're gonna crank them out just because and also we're selling shirts like listen here we don't sell a lot of shirts I'm giving you deals all the time. You guys don't buy shirts. What do we, all we want, the reason why I wanted, we're doing this deal right now for shirts and our hoodie is simple. The money, we haven't named a charity yet because I'm trying to see people will buy it. Go every day, check the site, check a little t shirt thing. Nobody buys anything. Come on, guys. Seriously, 15, 15 bucks for a shirt or $30 for a hoodie. And proceeds will either go to a cancer society or the, Pace, which is an organization in southeastern Michigan that is near and dear to myself. Or, we, and the reasons why is because when my father had dementia, they did a really good job of taking care of my father. They bust them around and mm. they were a fantastic organization that goes by donations. And again, first class people. And my sister did a little thing for them. And, or Chris might have something. I don't know. Or Uper might have something. I don't know. Either way, whatever money we have. Now until the end of December, we'll go to our charity. So if you have a charity in mind, just let us know. And you're right. It is good to be positive, but also realistic. That is the way our podcast will be. So myself, I'm Rahel Castillo, Simi, Uber, and Chris. We'll talk to you again soon. Again, we hope to talk to you soon if the Tigers do make another move. And also take a, ber- take a break from Twitter. Take, take a little minute for the break from that. Just clear <laughs> your mental head. Go and do what I did today. For an hour, I just went to the gym put my phone on Do Not Disturb, and cranked out some Tears for Fears. Why the Tears for Fears? Everyone wants to rule the world? I don't know. Maybe that whole Rob Manfield thing. But it, any uh, final part, words, gentlemen? No? Okay. Nope. Where's, where's the money, Lebowski? <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. Peace.